If you looked at the topic in the scripture reading for this morning, you may wonder why I would choose such a topic knowing that there were going to be so few of us here. But I believe that the scriptures, all of them, have application to us. They were written for our instruction and for our patience, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We are those who have gathered, who demonstrate a love for God and a desire to live for him and a desire to strive to do things that would be pleasing in his sight. We are also human beings, and we understand the brevity of time. Regardless of what anyone thinks, there's not a one of us that has more than 24 hours in a day. There is no more. Regardless of how much one seems or see another seem to accomplish, they only have 24 hours in the day. And this particularly has application to us because... As children of God, knowing the brevity of time, the uncertainty of life, strive to make decisions that we believe that we, as we make them, will honor and praise God and glorify his name. In doing that, we have to make priorities within our life. We all have to set them. You have to make a decision. You know, if you don't set a decision to get out of bed, you may stay there. You have to make choices. And you have to, and we understand a need for, to prioritize those choices. There's no way that you can do everything that needs to be done in one day. A lot of us set those, here's the list of things I need to do. I read somewhere about someone who had that list, and at the top one was says, get out of bed in the morning and said, I just want to be able to cross off one thing on the list. <laughs> you know, may not get to the rest of them, but I won't get to one of them. Uh, so we have to set those priorities. And there are a lot of things that tend to fall into the category of a convenient season. Do you have any of those? A convenient season. When I get time, I know I need to, but when I get time, I'm going to do this. Particularly, particularly for us now. And the loss of so many of our members. How many times something goes through your mind? If I had time, I know it's going to do this. I was going to give them a call. I was going to drop them a note. Whatever it is. And how swiftly that time has slipped by. So I'm, right, I'm saying that because, again, as we look at Felix, we look at him and say, well, well, he wasn't a Christian. He was just a Gentile. He was a political leader. He had married a, a Jewish woman. And he seemed to have a knowledge of the way more than others. 
And he wanted to hear what Paul had to say about faith in Christ. And Paul is going to talk to him. He's going to talk to him about righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come, at which Felix is said to have trembled. And as you look at each one of those, you're going to see why Felix may have trembled when he heard what Paul had to say about having faith in Jesus and a responsibility and an obligation to go along that way. Righteousness. Well, if you look at the life of Felix, he did not live a righteous life. He was very corrupt. And that's found out there, comes out there in verse 26 as well. He, that he hoped that also that money would be given to him of Paul, that he might release him. He called for Paul often to hear Paul talk. But often in the background, he's just waiting for an opportunity to Paul say, can I bribe you to set me free? It's right, he had no righteousness. We live that life, and I'm not saying we do not have righteousness, but I'm simply saying we need to examine our lives. Righteousness, excuse me, righteousness is not based on what we think is right. Righteousness is based on what God declares to be right. And there's a difference. We think a lot of things could be right. But are they in actuality? Scriptures remind us there's none righteous, no, not one. Only God is righteous. We're told of Abraham back in Genesis 15, 6, that he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Same thing brought out in Romans 4, verses 21 and 22. Abraham believed in God. Well, we say we believed in God. If we believe in God... How do we? Do we understand who he is? That's not comprehensible. The nature of God and who he is. Do we understand his desire for us? His scripture is given for us for that purpose, that we might learn along the way. What is righteousness? It's doing what God would have us to do. It's believing in him. It's not believing, as you hear many people say, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I've often stated at times, we need to at times. We need to break down the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, and look at each phrase individually and see what it has to say. I believe in the Lord. Well, the first thought comes to my mind is Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? So how can so many people say, just call on the Lord? They have no desire to do what he says. Their desire is that the Lord will respond and do what they want to do. And that's not what's involved. Jesus what does his name mean? He came to save. Save what? To save his people. To save his people from what? To save his people from their sins. 
How can I call him Jesus, Savior, and not do what he has asked me to do? Or Savior, Messiah, the promised one in the prophets. How can I say that he is the Messiah, prophesied by Isaiah and all the other prophets, and not believe that he is who he said he is, and he means what he said that he means, that we need to be willing to that. Again, we can put that in that when I have that convenient time, I need to do some of that. You ever got that in some of the scriptures or you want to look at? When I have time. What do you know about when you make that statement, when I have time? You're not taking it. <laughs> You're not doing it. When I have time, I need to do this. And my, none of us are guilty of that. I understand that, are we? How many of us have taken advantage of the opportunities that are given to us in a variety of different ways? How many of us take any religious magazines, Gospel Advocate and others, and take time to read those? Or the spiritual sword that we receive here? How many of us take time to pick one up and to read through it and to study from it? How many of us have taken advantage of the opportunity of going on Polish the Pulpit, of which we have an account to? You can talk to Lowell, email him. You can have a username that you can get on at any time for a dollar a month, $12 a year. You can get on there at any time and view any of the videos that they have of past polishing the pulpits and understand that in polishing the pulpit now, as opposed to when it first started, is not just for preachers. It's for every child of God. There's lessons on there for elders, for deacons, for ministers. There's lessons on there for Bible school teachers. There's lessons on there for parents and for children. Lessons galore that are there. But how many of us do that? I'll get on there, but I haven't taken advantage of that one yet. When I have a convenient time, I will. Well, when is a convenient time? Again, we know that we can't do everything that is involved. But as, again, Felix heard Paul preach on righteousness, he trembled. He knew the life he was living. They go on. I mean, he had a knowledge of the way. He said, I have a more excellent knowledge of the way. He understood what Christianity was. He had not obeyed it, but he had understood about it. He had a Jewish wife who may have filled him in on some of the prophecies and so on and so forth. But did he follow through? Don't have time yet. But when I do get time... I'll do what's right. We need to be reminded as we talk about righteousness, what Isaiah says in Isaiah 64 and verse 6. All, our, all of our righteousness are like filthy rags before God. What makes us righteous is not us. It's not doing the right things. It's not, right, it's not even having the right heart and the right desire in our minds. Righteousness is established by God. 
And we must be willing to follow through and to listen to him. Paul preached unto Felix about temperance. And you see, Felix trembled when he heard Paul talk about temperance. And as you can note as we're going through, Felix wanted to know about faith in Jesus. And Paul is taking the time to explain faith in Jesus, but he's pointing it directly to Felix. Felix, this is what you need to hear about having faith in Jesus. You need to understand about righteousness. You're not doing it. You're not believing it. You're not following it. You need to learn about temperance. And you're not practicing that one either, Felix. For you see, history tells us that Felix had taken the wife of another man who became his wife, who was a Jewess, has a Jewish background. Well, then have either one of them done what was right? Did they not need to hear about the temperance or the controlling one's desires? He had not done that. He had no desire to do that. Again, remember, he, he wants to learn about Christ, but uh, the whole time he wants to learn about Christ, he's wanting Paul to bribe him, to set him free. He's still interested in the physical things. We get caught up sometimes in the things of this world as opposed to what needs to be done. We have that desire to satisfy the flesh. And it does take its toll on us at times. Dealing with the COVID-19, dealing with pneumonia, which I still have. <clears throat> the appetite's not there. Well, there is no appetite because I don't have no taste. And uh, so I just eat food because I need food. But I knew I was bad when I had no desire to eat little Snicker bars. I mean, she'd bring them out. Why she does it, I don't know. But she'd bring out, Pat would bring out a handful of Snicker bars and put them on the coffee table by me. <clears throat> and I didn't want to eat any of them. I knew I was bad. <laughs> Not where I needed to be. I picked up a little bit on that. You can eat, eat them now, not as much as maybe I'd like to. But simply saying, do we learn this world is not my home? I'm just passing through this world. My hope is laid up in heaven. And I do not want to allow anything in this world to separate me from God. It is simply not worth it. And again, you just look around in the world and all the things that people clamor after. Does it bring happiness? It's short-lived. And then you have to face the next question, judgment. The judgment to come. Paul reminds us in Romans 14, 11, and 12, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, 
Every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're going to give an account of yourself to God for the life you've lived. You're going to give account unto God for what you've done with the, the, the items that we have placed in that category of a convenient time. As we trust God, as we believe in Him, as we obey Him, as we strive to surrender our will to Him, when we ask for forgiveness, that is granted. As we give an account of ourselves to God, the sins that we have repented of that have been washed in the blood of the, of the Lamb are held against us no more. That's been dealt with. The past has been dealt with. But I'm living now. And the question is, how am I living? Felix trembled and said when he had a convenient season, he would call for Paul. But it says he often called for Paul, but again, all the only thing he was looking for was the bribe. For this is the only time that we have. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, what? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Because there's a tragedy was there for, Philip, uh, for Felix. As far as we know from scriptures, he never found a convenient season. No indication. In fact, when he left office, because he wanted to do the, wanted to do the Jews a favor, listen, because he wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. He had the power to set him free, but he chose not to and leave him in, in prison. When we say that when I have a convenient time, we assume we're going to have another opportunity. Do we not? Do not have time now. But when it is more convenient for me, I'm believing that I am going to have another opportunity. And life tells you differently, does it not? Regardless of what we had wanted to do, regardless of how we wanted to express our love and gratitude, we've lost. Brothers and sisters in Christ, We've lost them. And all the things we want to say, we do not have that opportunity. And that's the fact of life, and we live it every day. And how many times in our life do we do exactly the same thing? When I have an opportunity or a convenient time, I'm going to write him a note, I'll give him a call, I'll drop by and visit him, I'll just drop something off on, on, this, on uh, their, their doorsteps. Uh, I appreciate those who drop things off of my doorstep. Uh, they've been enjoyed. Uh, but I'm simply saying, we assume we're going to have another opportunity. 
The question is, will we? James reminds us in James 4, 13 and 14, Go now and ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year to buy and to sell and to gain. Whereas you do not know what shall be tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We assume that we have the time. We also tend to underestimate the deception that we're prone to face. In Luke 8, verses 11 and 12, the parable of the sower, the seed of the word of God. There are those who have the seed given, but it's taken away out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Do you understand the deception of Satan? Who's placing that in your mind? Listen, it's okay. You, have, you still have time. It's okay. You, you'll be able to do that later. Do we understand the deception of Satan in trying to take away the word of God from our lives? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? I am the Lord. I search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. I am the Lord. I will test the heart. It's what God wants, the heart, where we follow through on it. We may be unaware, but the Lord may not approach us again on that matter. We assume he's going to give us time. We don't use the time we've been given. There may not be another opportunity along the way. Paul in Romans one twenty four, talking to those who Gentiles who think they have plenty of time and don't need to worry about it. Wherefore God gave them up through uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did not, even their women did change the natural use into that which was against nature. And then verse 28 has another, God gave them up. That's a sobering passage for me. It really is. Three times in Romans 1, verse 24, 26, and 28, three times it is stated that God gave them up. What are you going to do when God has given up on you? We think we'll have those opportunities along the way. Even of those who are children of God, followers of God, he may give them up as well. In 1 Samuel 28 and verse 6, we're told that Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered him, not. King Saul, seeking counsel from the Lord, and the Lord is not 
answering. Neither by dreams, nor by the Urim, nor by the prophets. God did not answer Saul. He departed from the Lord. Then knew what the Lord wanted him to do. We're reminded for us in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, grieve not the Spirit of God. Be careful. Be careful. And we can use up any opportunities offered by that long-suffering of God. 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 16. They mocked the messengers of God and despised their words, misused his prophets until the wrath of God rose against his people till there was no remedy. Hmm. Listen, these are written for us that we through the comfort in the scriptures might have hope. He's telling us there may be a time when God will not hear our request. These are the people of God. These are those called by God to be his servants, and then they've turned away from him. And they reached a point where God will not hear them. And we may cross that unseen line. We look at Numbers 14, 20 through 23. Those who came up out of the land of Egypt, those who followed Moses, those who were fed by God, watered by God, led by the Lord, and yet they're told, because of their disbelief, they would not enter that promised land. Read through there. Spend some time thinking about it when you have a convenient time. Think about it. God telling the people, I'm feeding you, I'm watering you, I'm providing for you, but I'm letting you know you're not going to that promised land. Only the two adult males, Joshua and Caleb, out of that vast number, as we would view the vast number, died in the wilderness. I say you could follow the where the Israelites went by the graves left behind. You could just follow the trail of where they were. Written for us. Do we hear? Do we believe? And do we do? It may be that we simply in our own hearts, in our own minds, need to re-examine how we think and how we perceive to see if indeed that we do not have that list of when it's convenient, I will do this. Make our decision today to do indeed as God would have us to do and follow his will. Maybe again, we just need to do this privately within our lives and maybe that we do need some help of brothers and sisters. But the invitation of God is always open. And in that case, this is that convenient season to obey, to surrender, to recommit, to rededicate the heart to the love of the Lord. 
If you stand in need of assistance in any way, and again, if we could help or assist you, we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.